0: And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff.
1: My guest is Jared Hewitt, a four-time international number one best-selling author, a multi-dimensional energy expert, and a successful voiceover actor. Jared co-wrote a book with our previous guest, Dee Wallace that uses a bunch of frequencies and symbols they put together in what they both refer to as the creation formula. And years ago, the famous Dolores Cannon said this is alien tech. Jared, thank you for joining me today and welcome.
0: Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm glad you uh, mentioned the Dolores thing. I thought that was a really... When she first said it, it kind of struck me as a little bit uh, odd because I, I have had odd experiences my whole life, which we'll talk about. Um, but when I, when D and I were first started working on that, um, people would say things or it was almost like literally that scene in the matrix where all the numbers were trickling down, mm-hmm. I would just see numbers everywhere. And so I started putting them together and keeping tabs on everything and realized they were sort of frequency or energetic signatures. And when D had shown Dolores, who, uh, published one of our books, uh, that we did together, she was like, this is alien technology. This is really, really amazing. And we both kind of went what did we get into here? Wow. <laughs> so, that's pretty
1: cool. I would love to have her as a guest. It's unfortunate that she's no longer with us.
0: I know, yeah.
1: Before we get into your story and while we're speaking about her, um, this will be an interesting question for you, I think. Is... I was going
0: to say, she may be with us again as someone new. <laughs> she, she talked about past lives quite a bit.
1: Well, have you ever heard of Dolores speaking about background people? No. And...
0: Can you can you tell me kind of what the concept is?
1: Well that there are people there are people on the planet that are just like bots, like in a video game, non player characters. Like if you play a game and let's say you're playing with your friends, but there are other things that you have to fight and shoot in games. Well there are beings on the planet that are humans like you and me that are not they're just that without spirit or energy. Kind of, she, uh,
0: yeah, yeah, blank. I, I had a friend who she referred to that. I'm trying to remember her term for it, but she she had a term for that as well. And I always thought that was a very interesting concept.
1: And I think according to Dolores, don't try to figure out who these people are because we can't.
0: Well, then, yeah, then we wind up going, I think you are, I think mm-hmm. you are. And everybody's going, ah, we're all a bunch of soulless. No, um... Uh.
1: But the, so, the way
0: the way it was described, kind of to me, is um, that there are, yeah, there they kind of just. If you think about things in a holographic term, right, in a holographic universe, mm-hmm. um, it was a very interesting, complex dive into what is an external manifestation of who and what we are as creation. So, where do we sort of pick and choose and interact with those people in ways? Uh, which further our development. Um, it, it was kind of, it was, it was in terms of that there wasn't anything necessarily nefarious to it, but I, I thought it was a very interesting concept.
1: It would be interesting as if they could line up people, you know, regular people and non-people, I guess we'd call them. And as being a person who can see people energetically, if you could tell the difference. What looked
0: like. That's what, when you said that, so my friend, she called them clones Mm-hmm. um and said that it was like a clone of a of a divine design yet they were not actually sort of um in the same space and i i always went and took that back because i had some abduction experiences early on in my life so i always kind of wondered if that wasn't a little bit like uh what people refer to as the grays um mm-hmm. when i was a kid i had night terrors like crazy and i would get snatched out of it. it was i mean it was literally like the wall would open up and i would be you know snatched out and i couldn't move um, and it it terrorized me for a long time, but it also was terrifying to me because I couldn't read their energy because they didn't have energy bodies like we have, or like even say the Palladians there, there are certain energy signatures that other, uh, if we want to call them aliens give off. So it's very easy to read, even if you're not speaking, it's very easy to understand and communicate. And with these beings, there was like no communication. And so I think that's what was particularly frightening because I couldn't read what the intent was or what the energy of that situation was. So I, I wonder if if it might not be a little similar to something like that.
1: So did you have an NDE as a child or did you inherit the ability to read energy?
0: No, I was born that way. I mean I I can remember um being I was really, really young. Um I was driving to go get vaccinated. So this was like maybe two or three and I was talking in the back of the car. And my mom said, who are you talking to? And I said, you can't see the person he's right here. Um, And uh, but I could dead people. So I I didn't do well with uh, funerals, um, Mm. but um, it was just something that I always I could always do. And as I grew, I grew grew up in a very religious household. And so um, it's it goes back. It's kind of an interesting dynamic. My mom, her mother was married off at like 14 to and uh, I think he was an Episcopal, Episcopal preacher. Um, and then he, they ended up getting a divorce and, uh, then she married a Southern Baptist, but her mother and her mother's mother, they, all of these people had that ability to, whether they had dreams that would come true or whether they could see energy or sort of interpret things, they all had that. And then they, they all married these very strict, uh, masculine energy, religion mm. figures. Um, my little sister who probably wouldn't appreciate me <laughs> announcing it to the world, but, uh, she is a doctor in, in, uh, California now, but she can do the same thing. I remember she came home, we were all on holiday one time and I had been in her room doing some meditation and kind of speaking and opening some things up. And she walked in and then she came right back out and she said, would you please tell your people to get out of my room? Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but it, it, for me, it's, it's been since I was little and it was just, it, it, I got the mess. I got dueling messages. One was like, you know, this is what, cause again, putting it through the lens of the the sort of religious background I grew up in, it would have been like, Oh, this is what the prophets could do. But then it would be like, Oh, but also you might be a demon. Uh, and so there was that kind of um, constant conflict and that, that caused, that caused me a lot of, um, I'll say issues <laughs> growing up, um, but it was always there.
1: Did you ever, have a religious interpretation of what you were able to do.
0: Yeah, so well, so I shared that conversation where or with my mom, where and to me it was like I'm talking to Jesus. You don't see this person, um, and so there are plenty of what I would consider to be ascended master energies that um, are sort of just flavors of the one energy themselves that I can see and talk to um, within the scope of religion. Um, it actually made me question religion more. Um, just because of the way things were framed and like, if, you know, if you die and that's it, or if you die and there's heaven or hell or or whatnot, um, why am I seeing people, you know, after they've passed what's, what's happened there. And it, it was, they first started showing up in ways that were kind of terrifying to me. Um, I remember, uh, well, and it was like that for a long time. Um, I remember staring at a woman, um, in a gym one time and, she kind of looked up and, and, and I wasn't staring at her, but I was staring kind of just off at her energy field. And uh, she came over and she said, what are you staring at? And I thought, oh, she thinks I'm staring at her. And, you know, I, I thought, oh, I don't know where this is going to go. And I said, oh, no, I'm sorry. I, I wasn't. whatever." And she said, no, you saw something. What were you looking at? And so for whatever reason, I just opened up her name was Pam. I remember um, I just opened up and I told her, I said, there's a, a young kid. looks like he's about 17 years old um, and there's just blood and glass uh, all around him. And, but he's, he's standing right next to you and she started crying. And then she told me that it was the one year anniversary of her son being killed by being thrown through a car window. And, but it showed up that way to me so I could relay it to her so that she would actually understand that's what it was. It didn't. It wasn't until I kind of started to really work on what my fears were about having those encounters that the energy changed and how it showed up and, and could communicate.
1: Do you normally see orbs or ever recognize orbs moving around you? Uh,
0: yeah. As a matter of fact, you may. we may get a few <laughs> today.
1: <laughs> well, well, the reason I just brought it up and I was over here putting a timestamp down was, and I, please don't be offended, I'm going to say no. it was either an orb that just blew right by your head or there was a bug that blew right by your head. Sometimes
0: okay, we're just when gonna... we're on here, it'll it'll do these zigzags and mm-hmm. go up. Um, Especially when I start talking about specific kind of dimensional energies that happens a lot. As a matter of fact, um, within my little group, when we do calls, they call them zoomies just because we're usually on zoom and they will see them go, but it's like they will be moving around in very nonlinear ways. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, there was one that was doing that. The first one was a big one and it just blew right behind your head pretty fast. And then there was a tiny one that was kind of, I think, doing what you were describing.
0: So, it, it does it does it does happen yeah
1: now that we've said that people may rewind this video and go back and see <laughs> if they can see that yeah. yeah
0: there was one time i was talking about angels mm. and it looked like a feather was coming in and i was doing this to show people like there's not a feather it was just it. it, it the camera it was very it was a weird, weird moment but it was it was neat
1: earlier you were talking about night terrors there it goes again did you see it Wait, no, right I in front didn't. of your my, face. My
0: video is real small, so I, I'll have to. I'll oh, okay.
1: Don't worry about it then. It just blew right okay. in front of your face. So you were talking about night terrors earlier, and then it kind of sounded like that you were seeing beings. So are you? Were yeah. you saying that you, during your night terrors, you this was happening because you were seeing beings or aliens?
0: Yeah. So I'll. I'll, I'll... I'll back up for one second. So when I was really small, I had, I was actually sleeping on ET sheets. So I think it's hilarious, both the mm-hmm. ET, but also the D Wallace connection. Yeah. Um, I had this, to me, it felt like a, a, a feminine, it felt like a female, uh, but it was all pink kind of draped in cloth and robes. I couldn't make out a face and came and got me uh, out of bed, woke me up. We walked into my closet where it was kind of, a. Oh, if you've ever seen like Stargate, you know how it's just water and you kind of go through the water. It looked like that. Right. And I got to see this whole vision of like my family tree and the lineage. And it was all my dad's side, interestingly. Um, and then the, brought me back, came through the closet, uh, went back to sleep. And, you know, my parents thought maybe I'd seen Scooby-Doo or something because I, I said it looked like a pink mummy. Um And so that was my first. And and to me, now I recognize that that was, that was an Andromedan being, and there were things that were happening in that moment. Um, When I was in high school, that's when I started having these experiences of kind of being like sucked out through the wall of my bedroom. Hmm. And those were actual beings. Um, And it took a while before I was able to be in a place where I could start to channel and ask questions and find out what was going on in that, that, that way. And there was a a group like i said the what i would have termed the grays because usually when i see um, sort of the different dimensions will have a a color spectrum signature to me so like if it's a a palladian energy it shows up as blue Um, if it's an arcturian energy it shows up as kind of a, a deep purple and this had kind of just no color lack of color but a little bit of it was just gray and like i said i couldn't read their energy i couldn't do anything but what was relayed to me later was that I was actually helping them access a wider spectrum of energies, and they were helping me make further contact with sort of my wider self. So it wasn't anything nefarious. It just felt nefarious to me because it was almost like if somebody has no emotion, if you have wisdom with no heart, that's a little scary. You know, it's not that they didn't have a heart, but there was that it was just a totally different energy spectrum than anything I'd ever seen or felt before. And it was quite terrifying Hmm. at the time.
1: Have you ever asked yourself, why me? Like, why are these Andromedans, Pleiadians contacting me? And if you've got an answer, what is it?
0: So I well, as as a kid growing up because I really thought something was wrong with me. I mean, I thought I'm I'm a freak. None of this is right. Um, It it ended up sort of in the greater scope of how I see energy. um, I really shut down my heart and I didn't feel home or safe or it just was completely weird. when I expanded out to that space, there's this, I don't mean this in like a grandiose way. There's a place wherein um, we can receive things to go out and and give messages and to to help and speak. And it was just sort of kind of who I was on the other side. And and, and I can talk about how I see lifetimes and souls over souls, that kind of stuff as well. Um, That lent itself to this lifetime of being, and having this experience to not only help integrate some things within me at a larger level, but also help to get that message out into the world about what love is and who we are and what our place is within all of that to help us ideally rise uh, to a space of working together and and being together and, and learning to love each other and create in, in, in new ways.
1: So you were saying that, uh, I think it was, um, Pleiadian energy is blue, and then another energy was this color. So are to you me,
0: see- that's how that's how it shows up for me.
1: Yeah. So when you see these alien beings, when you say, are you just seeing something that looks like a a bluish, smoky looking energy, or do you see something that looks like a being from Star Wars?
0: It's weird that you said that because yeah. I was going to say it's more like the Imperial stormtroopers, like in their shape. Um, it's it's almost like a kind of an obelisk with you know cloak a cloak over like a I guess you'd call that a cloak what they were wearing. Um so it it shows up like that, like very large I had I had a friend once and, and uh within the scope of how we perceive dimensions, things can change a little bit. There was we were walking back to my little rent house in California and there was this giant white being and when I say giant, I mean 40, 50 feet tall but it ran across the street and as it's running it's getting smaller and goes like through the front door and i didn't know that this particular friend could see energy and we both kind of looked at each other and went did you just see that and then you know i was like running into the house to see what was going on um but yes so to me they look more like those kind of uh there's sort of a tall cylindrical with with a color signature to it
1: do you usually see the beings in a conscious state like you just Described or like an out of body state, like as if they pulled you out of your body and then you interact with them?
0: Some of them initially, it was more of like uh, I had to be a little out of body because I think the resonance with where I was versus where I needed to be to be in a space of receptivity was not there. Um, but no, so like when I was working on um, one of my books called Love, Life, God, The Journey of Creation. Um, it was almost like there was like a little cafe in my apartment because I would just see those. It was very Palladian, very Arcturian. Um, and, and it was those energies kind of hanging out together and coming and speaking. And so it, but that was all very, in a very conscious state, uh, which is funny to me because originally um, I had an experience where I kind of blacked out and found myself outside of a Barnes and Noble I'm blacking out sounds like the <laughs> wrong way to say it, but um, <laughs> I don't remember going in there. And I had walked out with a book called Seth Speaks and it, I was terrified because I was like, why did I, I don't remember going in here. How did I, what is this? And uh, anytime I would actually go near the book, my mouth would open and it just freaked me out. So for a long time I thought that channeling or or anything like that was, you know, I'm going to be gone. Something else is going to come in. I don't know what that is. And, you know, is it, is it good? Is it bad? Is it whatever? Um, And then no so when i actually then tried to start um exploring that more it was just made known to me that it's an expansion of the one consciousness that that we all are but from the individuated state learning how to move into that um that wider space of of unification and oneness it does That's feel true. a little different i will say that like it i mean it, it's it's I could have, I could be, you know, I could have a broken arm or something and be in pain and move into that, that space. And it's like, I'm ready to swim, you know, 20 miles or something. Uh, mm-hmm. So there is a, a sort of rejuvenative, um, just exciting love that, that comes with that energy.
1: Well, since I mentioned it in the beginning, what is the creation formula and what makes it alien tech?
0: Yeah. All right. Well, it's funny. Cause it's actually like move this. It's I can, It's on my, it's my screensaver. So we were looking at, well, I'll explain it the way I explain it right now, rather than giving you the backstory. I explain it as um, if you were to say, I am divine love. Well, we all have a lot of stories around what love is, what we have to do to get it, to keep it, to earn it, if we're worthy of it. Um, If it includes abuse, all of those things come in. Same with the word divine. We have a lot of different, I mean, even the history and the collective, we have a lot of energies around what is divine, what isn't divine. Um, So the creation formula itself is a, it's, I'm going to move this over. It's, it starts off with a symbol for unity with God and it moves into joy, allowing the light. in. there's a long sequence represents the brain but that sequence that represents the brain it's not just the the mushy part up here it's our entire electromagnetic field and how we allow the light in and how we communicate so from a if if we go to an energetic perspective where people talk in chakras this is the space where all of the energy becomes of one accord everything opens up and it's not just well i'm holding my you know expressive abilities here i'm holding my ability to like the third eye being something where you can see the future or whatever. It's understanding how light comes into physical matter and how, as that light becomes denser, not in a pejorative term, but as it becomes denser, uh, the molecules, everything starts to take shape and form physicality and physical reality. And so there are all of these frequencies. And at first I thought, oh, this is the actual frequency of, you know, the brain or the actual frequency of, and while in a way it is, it's it's a wider um, I would almost say like, it's a coordinate for what the expanded space within us is. And as we move through that, then our orientation to the dimension or the space that we're in begins to change. And we open up to a bigger space where we can allow that communication, that love um, and that creative ability, while also learning how to be in physicality and work within the physical construct of, of the world. So As that started coming in, then that's when Dolores came in and she said, well, this is very alien. But when she said alien, what she meant by that was how I took it anyway, was um, alien in the sense of it. It transcends and moves through a lot of different dimensional time and space, and it is a space where there's a a particular group called the Onkarians that had a a lot to do with sort of the Mesopotamian Egypt energy. But when you look at like building the pyramids, when you look at some of the things that um, had relationships to the stars and things of that nature, this is, this is a little bit of that same energy um, bringing us, (laughs) I'll use a star Trek metaphor, bringing us into sort of the galactic federation. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's, it's bringing all of those different aspects into who we are from the human perspective.
1: You mentioned that you had some kind of diagram on your screen saver. Do you have a diagram there that if you'd like, we can share screen oh, and then absolutely, yeah, maybe that'll help uh, everyone. Um, let me make it. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Okay. I got to allow it. Okay. Okay. And maybe that will help us all understand it even, that, even more. Did that work? It says your screen is sharing. I just don't. See- oh, there we go. Oh,
0: here it is right here. So this is the, the original creation formula. Mm -hmm. Um, I do a lot of symbols and things like that. Like um, I'll show you in here. I think I've got. So uh, here there's 13 rays on the sun. 13 represents the Kohan of self. That represents our mastery self. Um, The peptides all have specific corresponding things. This right here represents part or most of the entire formula in and of itself. Um, but this is kind of some of the stuff that I do on the side where um, things will come in. And, um, but this right here is the entirety of the formula. So here we have the frequency for unity with God. And then we have uh, opening up to joy, allowing the light in. This would be the the, the brain here. Um, as you expand all of that, we go into the pineal and pituitary and that's the space where we begin to unify and activate the third eye at several different dimensional levels. Um, and you can see here, releasing patterns, divine love, uh, frequency of the matrix. That's kind of fear. That's releasing any of that so that we can move into that space of what home is, um, fear of creation, releasing that from our energy, being able to genetic forgiveness down here is not just about the forgiveness of, you know, mom or dad or whatever. But if you think in terms of all of the lives that one may have lived um, and all of the places and spaces we may have been, there's a much bigger space there. So it's really letting go of everything that is not of your pure divine blueprint. Uh, So anyway, it's just, that's, that's, um, that gives you an idea of, of what that is. And, and so when we utilize it um, like I, for me, I used to have this hanging next to my computer just so I could look at it and anything and any energy I wanted to either enhance an energy or let go of what I was perceiving as kind of a negative and move into the opposite positive of that. Um, That's where I would go over this. And I would, I would use the term, I invoke the formula, but it's not like you're invoking something externally. Mm -hmm. You are moving into that place within you that ultimately is the remembrance of who and what you are from that space Right and in bringing all of that energy present,
1: you have so many numbers on that sheet. Yeah, what I mean, what do those numbers represent? Is that a, free, a f- electronic frequency or
0: so? It's a it's it's frequency, but maybe not how we would like on a dial where we would plug it in and be able to tune to it. So there's, it's almost like a uh, I, I call them coordinates. Um, so it would be sort of like a coordinate within. Uh, a particular time and space structure that within that carries a frequency and that frequency allows a a larger expansion does that make sense
1: yeah um it's just that you had such you know i saw something it was like a one through seven and then i saw another number it was like forty-two thousand something you know like okay you have 477.9.7 and then you have a zero
0: Yeah. So some of like, um, let me find it. So some of these, right. So Mm -hmm. these would be the way they interact with each other. Like this right here would be a space that you get to by bringing this energy through this energy here and balancing it. Then we get down here. Well, that's also the harmony of basically the pituitary and the pineal gland. So in doing that, we start to move Um, expanding what the frontal lobe is the the 477.9.7 that's where i say like the coordinates of because it's not like it's four hundred and seventy seven thousand. right right it's a specific yeah yeah specific kind of number there
1: and how did you come up with this
0: so this is where i the very first day I, i remember when it started i was walking down the hallway in the old william morris building in beverly hills and uh I just started, it was like that scene in the matrix where Neo kind of wakes up and everything has a, and I just started seeing numbers. Um, and previously if somebody were talking, um, you know, I could talk to somebody and they might say, I might say, how's your day? And they may say, oh, my day is going great. But I would hear sort of the energy underlying that. And I'd say, okay, so what's going on with your mom? Because that's Mm -hmm. what you're carrying around. And so I would hear it rather than see those kinds of things, or I could maybe see it in their aura, but all of a sudden it started becoming a number trickle. Um, And so I started to, whenever they would trickle, but they would really stand out like in gold, I would go and I would write them down or I would call D as I did that day. And I say, Mm -hmm. write this down. I have no idea what it means. Uh, We'll go look at it later. Um, But that's, and that, that was, I, I, that's a, that was the first time it ever happened was when I was walking down the hallway.
1: Do you feel like that was a download or perhaps you were channeling it?
0: I think it was very much a download. Hmm. I think that was sort of, um, so part of, part of how I see things is, you know, uh, I always talk about free will and, and, that, you know, we're always in a space of, of free choice. And I think, within the scope of free choice in a wider space, that was part of what I came here to experience and bring forward. And so I think that there is a part of me, um, you can call it the higher self or the oversoul, depending on, you know, your, your liturgy for everything. Mm -hmm. But that has um, been there to both guide and sometimes pull me along because sometimes I'm a little stubborn and don't want to go. And so in that particular space, I think that was very much, an opening into expanding more into who I was to become and what I was going to be. So I do think it was, I think it was both. I think it was a download and I think it was kind of a bridging connection into that higher consciousness that was saying, this is really where we're going here.
1: Can you give us some tips on things that we can truly do to elevate ourselves?
0: Yeah. Well, so how, how, give me, give me a little specific because like one of the things that I would say is um, a big place that we can get caught in is judgment. And that sometimes the judgment is absolutely correct from, from our perspective, right? And if if you look at it from a space of uh, even sociological sociologically, if you look at it and say, well, if I were born this way, and if I had all of these thoughts, well, of course, I would have acted the same way. And I, I think it's important to understand, um, you know, one of the four agreements is take nothing personally. And if you can understand that what other people are doing, saying how they're acting or being has really nothing to do with you, that's a very, that's a very big part there. Um, at a, at a, I don't know that it's a smaller level, but at a, at a a different level, just being able to look at yourself in the mirror and really take yourself in from a space of love can you might be surprised the sort of pain or the hurt that initially comes up that you've been holding through that, that lens or that filter, but the more you can fall in love with yourself. um, And I don't mean that in the cheesy kind of way, but really, really learn to appreciate who you are and then learn, learn why you are, you know, we are the, if I'd have been born 10,000 miles away to a different family, um, that was one of the things that really got me on this journey of, You know, realizing it was all energy because I realized that a lot of the things that I thought and a lot of things that I felt based on how I thought, those those, you know, I could have a stroke or you could cut my head open and poke a little part of my brain, and I might be able to smell the color blue and I might have a whole different outlook on life. So what was innately me and what was what was learned or what was what did I perceive was put upon me? How did I take those things in? So I really think. That just in elevating the self, learning to love the self, and learning why you are the way you are, and then being willing to be another way, if if that's the journey that you're willing to take, is is very um, is very important. And I mean, I would say important because overall, uh, you know, we all cycle through our lifetime and we wind up back with God and in, in how I view it. Um, so, you know, what is important is, is sort of relative to who we are as human beings. But um, I think the more that we can realize that we're not separate from each other or from what we would call God, from that energy, from consciousness, I think the more and more we can really and not know it here, but really feel it here, that that puts us in a whole different space to, to live life and create from.
1: I literally recorded a an NDE guest yesterday, and she was telling me that kind of what you're saying, and this is to add to it that us being separate is an illusion. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that?
0: I would. Um, it's one of the things that when I talk to people about multidimensional perspectives, um, they get a little freaked out about because they'll say, "Well, how do I know I'm me?" If I have this perspective where I can see me as the observer, it it can create a space where they worry about um, almost like a a, a psychiatric break. And it's not anything like that at all. It's, It's a realization that this person that I am is the individualized experience of that greater whole. And when you can realize that, you can appreciate and be who you are with all of, you know, we all have preferences. Um I, we can go to a restaurant and 20 people might order 20 different things. So being one doesn't mean we all have to order the same food or like the same stuff, but when we realize that there is a there is an energy behind all of that and there is a oneness behind that, then we can start to tune into that space as well. and that gives us an even greater appreciation, I think for the individuation for the, for this experience as who we are, but also takes a lot of the pressure off because we realize, you know, hey, it, At this other level, there's there's just this love and it's just this this beautiful space of oneness. And there's when I talk about dimensions, there's kind of um, I call them flavors. Uh, And so there's that space where you can move and be in pure source. And then there's kind of the space of of having um, like like a Jesus or a Buddha or a Saint Germain or something like that. You get a flavor of uh, a bit of an ascended master kind of energy. But it's all it's all from that same tree.
1: So are you under the perspective that we're in 3D here, you know, third dimension, and then perhaps if we go through the ascension, we'll be in the fifth dimension?
0: So the way I describe uh, 5D is, so so. 3D to me is, I mean, <laughs> that's a good question. We're We're a little bit of a few different things all at once right now, and I think that's why... Um, the world seems as maybe shaky or quaky as it can sometimes because there's a lot of different things happening. Third dimensional, like if you look at it in terms of mathematics, third dimension has a, a very solid, you know, it's, we understand that to be one thing. If you look at it in the terms of energy, third dimension is where we come into experience and we choose and create through both having the veil drop. And then we, we experience the contrast and we learn to create from the contrast. When we start to fourth dimension for me is more of kind of a bridge into the open heart. So that's a place where we start to experience more synchronicity. We start to, um, and I, of course, with the advent of smartphones and cookies and things like that, uh, that kind of gets a little bit, uh, in there but it's where you would start to receive the same messages from the same people you start to really so by the time you step into a space of what i would term the fifth dimension is that's where you're living from the open heart that's where you're in that flow that's where you're able to um, have the guidance and it's it's the wisdom as well as the discernment uh, as well as the love all of those things are moving together and you're having a very different experience now I. I, i am not of the perspective where when we get to that, we just like transcend off the planet. Yet my experience of that is when you have that experience, it's almost like you're in your own little spaceship and we're each in our own little holographic spaceships and how we feel is, or or those feelings or those vibrations is, is ultimately where I would go with it, are the coordinates that set up where we're going in that ship the people we're going to bring into our field of interaction in that ship and how we're going to experience life. So as we start to change all of that, and that's, that's where I go with the fifth dimension, that is changing the entire GPS system of, of what you're experiencing and therefore it allows your entire life to start to look different. So in a way it kind of does look like you've gone into maybe a new timeline or a new planet. um, But it's, you're, you're still you, but you're just an elevated, more expansive version of you.
1: Back to when I was asking about tips to elevate ourselves, I guess that's really what I was referring to, is to become more elevated, more expansive, and I think whatever you gave me will definitely help with that. Are there other things that we can do to elevate and expand ourselves?
0: So from my perspective, everything really does come back to, in one shape or form, love. Um, And that would go to, like, biblically in this, whether you have a Judeo-Christian background or any other background, it's it's many different religions say the same thing. It would be, you know, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Well, if you understand that God is energy and God is everything and everyone and everywhere – then, if you truly love that. And if you love your neighbor as yourself, and unfortunately in today's world, a lot of us don't love ourselves. And so then we don't love our neighbors either, or we, we have, we have places where we judge ourselves and we hold ourselves to certain criteria. So then we want to, we want to hold those judgments and, and hold other people to those as well. And so that goes back to that first one of, of, where it would be love God with all your heart. But if that means love energy, love life, love everything that is with all your heart, then you have to have that mutual respect and that joy and that allowance. And you can understand this is my journey and I'm sovereign in my journey. And you can then allow somebody else to be sovereign in their journey without having to have a reactionary um, interchange with them or anything like that. So for me, it really does all go back to love. The more we can love, ourselves the more we can love each other the more we can love each other the more we can love ourselves and so it just creates this this sort of self propelling process where we elevate in, in that space um like as far as physical things um sometimes i'll tell people just you know take a social media break turn off the news um go for a walk you know ground ground yourself go for a swim whatever it is that that allows you to feel connected because in that space of feeling connected, that's where you can really open your heart and that's where you can really invite all of that energy in. So it's it kind of depends on, um, the lifestyle that, you know, some, one person may lead. Um, some people would tell you, Oh, you know, don't eat this or eat that. I haven't had, you know, I, I, I have my own beliefs about all of that. And to me, it's just, as you believe you receive. And so we're kind of uh, self validating belief systems and things of that nature, but it does go back to, for me, just love.
1: Why do you think so many people don't even love themselves?
0: I think that a lot of people feel disconnected. Um, I think that they feel, so when I talk about, or oftentimes when I work on people, it'll go to um, what I call star particle energy. And that will be the first time we ever individuated from source. Now, if you kind of think of this like big ball of light, and this big ball of light saying, I want to know myself in a new way. And aha, I'm going to have Jeff, I'm going to have Jared, I'm going to have some, I'm going to have this experience. Well, we might take that as, wait, I was just in this beautiful field of bliss. And now what did I do? Why did I, why am I out here on my own? Why did I get, instead of, wow, I get to go and experience this beautiful ride. And I think there's been a lot of that um, over time and through space. But I think that I think it really does come down to feeling disconnected from love. That's why I said it goes back to love for me. Because if you feel if you feel disconnected, if you feel like you are ultimately not in a a universe that loves you, nourishes you, supports you. And this gets into, you know, our child psychology and our upbringings with our parents and, and all of these things. But if you ultimately feel unsupported, you don't know how to fully love and support yourself. And then you're thrust out into this world. And you're expected to you know have a job, make a living, um, kind of propel all of these machinations that maybe aren't really working for a lot of people, and that just makes people even more angry, but they don't know how to get back to that center point because maybe they've not really allowed themselves or or been shown how to experience it in this lifetime.
1: So you're able to see people that I guess you would say have you know are on the other side but are still with us here. Like the boy that you saw with the blood on his face.
0: I was laughing at that because my, I, my mom, my parents always doubted things and my grandpa had a specific name for her. And when I was helping her move one day, uh, I said, grandpa's here. And she said, Oh no. And I, and I called her by that nickname and she'd never shared it and her mouth. Just kind of went. And uh, she, she, after that, she kind of believed, but um, yeah.
1: So what dimension would you say, those beings are at that point in time.
0: When I talk about like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10. Um, as we move into, once you get into about fifth, sixth, sixth dimension is about where it starts. Your orientation to all of the other dimensions then shift. So it's not like a lateral or a, it, it's all more of a, it's all more of a cohesive source field. And everybody's just in kind of a different point of that field. Like, so when I was talking about, within the creation formula, how I view those as sort of coordinates within the one larger energy field. Um, That's kind of, and, and different, different beings based on if they are coming to deliver a message or if they have had some sort of systemic shock and they're not wanting to move over, um, will be coming from a different space with, within that, that larger space. Does that make sense? So it's not necessarily that they're in a particular dimension. Um, I know, going you know to the it's like it's not like oh they're in heaven oh they're in hell oh they're in purgatory there are from my experience how i see things life is very much infinite and you know i've worked with people where i've gone oh i there's i'm seeing this whole past life and this whole experience for you so but there are also places that we go between lives and i've i've told people before that outside of time and space so without time and space as a reference point um, you could be living this lifetime here right now, as well as 1500 years ago, as well as 1500 years in the future, all simultaneously. There is no, um, there's only the the focal point of who you are as a soul and what you want to create. And so sometimes people will leave little echoes of themselves because there's maybe an unresolved trauma or there's something unresolved here, or the part of them um, that still feels an attachment to earth and to who they were with will come through uh, as the the version of them they were in this lifetime to to communicate certain things.
1: What is your perspective on near death experiences and life after death?
0: Oh, I think it's very real, um, especially well, all of it. I, however, there is, and I know people would say, well, you know, uh, people who are not religious at all had a religious experience or um, things of that nature. I think there are enough archetypes within our shared collective memory that sometimes that's more of what is happening, but I, I would say more than not, and it, it can be an unconscious belief as well, but it's as you believe. So if you, if you believe in a punitive universe and that you believe that people are ultimately evil and need to be punished, you may experience something where you cry out for what I would say is love or for forgiveness or for that energy so that you can understand there's an upliftment there where you can move into that unification. Um, There are plenty of instances where people who, you know, maybe were not religious at all or or, um, considered themselves not the greatest humans had wonderful experiences. And so I think that's just that space of moving and sort of skipping the part of of the judgment. Um, One of the things that seems to be very much Within the scope of all of that is the is the life review, and that life review i love I love it when people will say it felt like I was there for months, but it was a split second because I've been in those meditative spaces where it feels like five hours have gone by and no time has passed or i've I've had the opposite occur as well, so that's very much kind of a a dimensional transition to that space of of who we are outside of time and space and going back into. And, and it also goes to who we are in this embodiment and what we need to be able to move into that next phase of our existence. And so that's where when people say, oh, I met, you know, my wife who had passed on or my grandparents were there, or it's all of the things that also maybe still need to be healed within the spiritual being that we have become in this lifetime. And as we move through all of that, and this, it can feel like 500 years, but it can be in the blink of an eye. We're also learning that, wow, I'm also more than just this one self. And so it's kind of, I had a friend one time describe it as like a uh, you had gone out all day in a pair of shoes that were too tight. And that death was just sort of like taking off the tight shoe. But it takes a little while for your energy to expand out and be able to really see and for you to be able to see the, the scope of who you truly are and all of that.
1: You know, we were talking earlier about Andromedans, Pleiadians. Do you consider yourself a starseed?
0: It depends on how you define starseed, but yes, there is a place that um, there is a place from sort of the, I'll use the term ambassador, where it would be like Pleiadian and Orion and Andromedan. They all sort of have sort of a little outpost where there's some energy of all of that. And I very much resonate with that being my home. Um, so I I don't know I don't know that I've ever said starseed, but I, I've in I because I don't know that anybody's ever asked me that, but internally, um, that's where that's where I feel is home for me. And so I do feel there's um, a little bit to that, yeah.
1: Have you ever meditated or somehow seen a past life in that region of you know, the galaxy or the universe. Yeah.
0: And that, that's why, that's why for me, that feels so much like home. Um, I've had, I've had that meditative past life, but also it came just very consciously awake and had the whole full blown experience and was like, oh, wow, I guess I need to, Get off my duff a little bit and not take things so personally or, or not, you know, not be so involved in the day to day human stuff and actually realize because it was a very strong experience. And I've, I've had other past life um, experiences or visions or things like that, you know, from Earth as well. Um, but that was the most powerful one where I went. That's home. That felt home to me.
1: So earlier today in my research of you, I was checking out your YouTube channel, and I I don't think you call it a meditation, but I felt like it was a meditation, and I basically meditated to one of your videos, and it's called uh, the Andromedan Doorway. I think that's what it was called. Okay, okay. And I thought it was really interesting, and it kind of is piggybacking on what you were saying earlier about elevating yourself and obviously you know what i'm talking about but about you know crossing this threshold of what you want to be and you may be and if you're feeling anything that's resistant to it maybe you know you need to discover what you know your resistance can you comment on that
0: yeah well so when you said like things you can do to elevate so one of the things what i call it is an energy journey Mm -hmm. and i call it a journey because for me, like meditation is kind of like you still your mind and, and see what's there. These journeys are more about allowing the um, your higher self or however you want to call it, those overtones of consciousness for you to really access that. And every time you go through the journey, your whole energy body starts to shift so that the next time if you do it again or do it again or do it again, you'll always have a little bit of a different experience and they can you can grow with it. Um, but yeah, so what? OK, but what was the question? Because I got excited about the Andromedans.
1: Oh, well, I was just saying that during the journey, you will ask, what do you feel right now? Or what do you experience? Oh. And like, let's say if you're experiencing whatever it is, that may be what's resisting you for becoming what you really want to become.
0: Yeah. One of the things that, um, I sent out recently was, um, cause this, this came very full force in, in channel was how do you feel? But it wasn't like, uh, you know, like we ask our kids, hey, how was school today? How you feel? Mm-hmm. Fine. It was really, no, how do you feel? Get in touch with. And and, and in doing that, it was like, whoa, I don't know that I feel. I, first of all, do I know if I want to go into my feelings? Um, because are they safe? And then when I do go in there, if there is some fear or if there is, if there is that dissonance with um, I'm not where I want to be, but I don't want to consciously recognize that all of these things work as like drag in our field. So it's kind of like trying to, you know, run up a mountain with a giant open parachute behind you with wind coming. It's just pulling you back while you're trying to move forward. And so being able to move into those places of, of seeing or, or understanding, wow, this is, this is, this is my resistance. This is my drag. And then being able to feel into that because a lot of times we will hold the resistance because we feel like if we ever feel into it, it'll overtake us and we'll never come out of it. Yet, as soon as we allow ourselves to feel it, it's like, oh, I'm not pushing against it. And it's it's sort of that universal uh, cliche of you know what you resist will persist, but it's because that's where your focus is. And so you're focusing on, like when I talk about freedom, for example, with energy, I will always talk about freedom not being the need to escape. Because if you're feeling like you want freedom so that you can escape, you're going to perpetually create models within your own consciousness to escape from, to achieve the freedom. And so when we're looking at that space of um, letting go of the resistance, it's like, oh, I realized there were thoughts there, but I realized the thinker of those thoughts was me or was a different place within me. And now I can just let it be. And if I can let it be, it just kind of, it's like the sky doesn't worry about the clouds. If there's a cloud it just moves it on through. And that's kind of what happens with our energy bodies when we get to that place.
1: Do you think that there are common themes for most people on why they're not able to get what they want or what they're trying to manifest?
0: That's an interesting question. Um I, there are a lot of common themes. Um and it, it 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 would be really interesting to me to look at like meet somebody from 200 years ago and look at what they were trying to create or why and what might be resistant. Um, A lot of it is just the story that we've told ourselves about what we have to do or be um, or change in order to get the things that we desire. There's also a place, though, where we feel like we've got a lot of time invested in certain stories. And the example I like to give is if you've spent 10 years trying to put a puzzle together and you're one piece away from it, but the universe and all of its wisdom sends you some new puzzle piece and you're trying to cram it into this old puzzle when really the universe is kind of trying to say that old puzzle isn't you anymore. That's not really what you ever desired. It's what you desired based in all of these other modalities or thoughts or fields or whatever. Here's a new puzzle piece. Start doing something new. And a lot of times we resist that because you know we go ah you know me want and it's that that kind of ego space. And I don't mean ego and it's not a negative thing. We all have that. It's how we define ourselves or how we identify with ourselves. Um, but I think I think. Probably ego might be the the big common denominator there, but it's just how willing how willing we are to shift into something new and how how committed we are and then what it is that we're committed to. Sometimes um, I'll meet people who are very committed to, you know, creating money, yet they have a lot of different core beliefs around. Um, money being evil, or people abusing money through their power, or money equals power, and then that turns people bad. And so they're kind of going after something that they have all of this energy pushing against as well. And so I think, as, as just a, a wider way to contextualize that, that is a big um, theme I see with everybody. It, it's just about what is it that you're trying to create, or what is it you're trying to pursue? Is that something that is Actually, you from the heart, like your your true nature, is that something in resonance with you? or is it, are you trying to prove something to somebody else? Are you trying to validate um, an archetype or a, a, who you thought you were supposed to be or who you were told you were supposed to be? And in in trying or wanting to create those things, what are your beliefs that you're holding around the entire process and around the thing or the person or whatever it is itself? Uh, that's where all of that different drag is created and held.
1: You're originally from Oklahoma. You mm-hmm. moved out to Los Angeles and mm-hmm. you became this super successful voiceover actor. Obviously you were, you're not recognizable because you're a voiceover actor, <laughs> yeah. but
0: that was the idea back in the day. I uh, didn't want people to um, see who I was. You but know? What
1: was it that you did energetically and within yourself and the changes you made to achieve this success?
0: Um, so I, there's one little, uh, exercise. I talk about it in, um, I think it's my book. The answer is energy. It's the, I'm so excited exercise. And I remember D and I, one time, uh, we, I was helping her. She was teaching the uh, class and I was there just kind of to help her do it. And, um, the premise was, you know, write down three things that you would love to do and then jump up and down, get excited, move your body. Like you just won the lottery. And, and the, the energy behind that is putting yourself in alignment with receiving and what it is to feel good. And also, usually when people go like "woo," they feel really stupid because it's it, so there's a, there's a, an element of control, and that control also creates a box that you live in, and nothing can get into that box because you're not allowing through your own resonance. So um, I remember I don't remember what the third one was. Two of the things that I put on there was I was so excited that I chose Coca Cola. I said I'm so excited on the vo- voice of Coca Cola. And I chose, I'm so excited that I'm the voice of a, a national fast food chain. And within a couple of months, I was doing Coca-Cola for the Olympics. And that's when they were on American Idol. So I was doing that. And then uh, I was the voice of White Castle. Uh, that I got hired for that. So energetically, for me, it was, that was one of the things that I did. Um, then I found that I was trying to prove to myself that I could continue to create. And it wasn't a fluke. But the vibration that that kind of put out was, I'll know I'm creation when I create. And so I had to get back to basics of saying, wait, it's not about, it's not about the, the mental sort of trying to push the energy. It's about living in that state of beingness and that openness and that flow. Um, that was really, and and uh, at the time when I first went out there, I signed with an agency that it's a uh, William Morris Endeavor now, but it was the William Morris agency back then. Um, I was reading uh I think it was asking it as given by Esther Hicks, uh, Esther and Jerry. And so it was just Abraham. It was just, you know, teaching, you know, hey, if this is what you want, align with it and go for it. And um, so that's that's a lot of what I teach, you know, to this day is just moving into alignment with what you want. And a lot of times what people do immediately is they move into alignment with what they think they're going to encounter in their journey. And that puts the, the stop button on it. So it's like, Um, if somebody says, well, I want to, you know, make a hundred thousand dollars and I go, okay, great. So what are your beliefs about that? Well, I'd have to work really hard. I would have to do this. I'd have to go change my education. I'd have to, and it's like, well, you might have to do those things, but if you really get an alignment with whatever amount it is, then the universe presents you with opportunities where it's not like you're having to push or fight or claw or any of those things. You're just, you're more in the flow.
1: Do you think that opportunities come our way all the time and it's just that we don't take advantage of them?
0: So, I don't know that it's that we don't take advantage of them. Um, I would say that even, (laughs) and listen, I used to be the most pessimistic person. So, uh, understand where I'm coming from. I think the universe is always conspiring for our good. And I also think that that is a once we are able to move into that point of view, because it does take some work. I think in my case, it did. And I know other people who who would say the same thing. When you can move into that space, then things aren't necessarily happening to you. They're happening for you. But it's also not in a way where, oh, this awful thing happened and I have to learn a lesson to move on. It's as I go through life, I'm able to have experiences that give me the tools that the universe knows I'm going to need to climb the next peak, to move on to the next space. And so I do think there's, I think miracles abound, I would put it that way. And we're always in that space. It's just how, how receptive are we? Um, And sometimes, you know, when I, so when I was, when I was in my early twenties, late teens, um, I had a really bad heart condition. And it's like, I'd wear halter monitors all the time. I had these tubes up my nose and I mean, I was just negative, but of course I was negative because My experience was not fun. And I had this sort of, I had this moment once when I was just kind of laying there and I just was like, I'm done. I'm over it. Like, just kill me. And I kind of energetically just was like, okay, what if I just died right now? Well, nothing happened. (laughs) So it was like, okay, well, if I'm alive, maybe what do I want to do? well, I don't believe I can do X, Y, Z because I can't even get out of bed right now. Okay, but if I could, what would I do? So I just kind of started working towards um, what would feel good? What would, what would be that space? While also doing what I could to stay in the flow of taking those steps, however big or small they were, uh, to align myself so that I wasn't just trapped in you know living a fantasy because I needed to embrace the reality so that I could also help to start healing.
1: What is it about love that makes it so important
0: well it's not that kind of human love like it's not the romantic love i mean it can be certainly that's fun uh for sometimes i guess uh it can might probably not be fun um but it's that space where when i would say love it's the place of so when i talk about divine love one of the things i always say is that in a place of divine love there's no harm to self no harm to other and that's sort of like the low point of divine love as you you know move out through the different spectrums or dimensions of divine love you move into a space where there's total acceptance but it's not just an acceptance like oh well i accept myself however i am if i'm you know 50 pounds overweight or if i'm 20 pounds underweight or if i have no hair all of those things it's feeling the acceptance of that one unified field that a lot of people when they talk about their near death experiences they talk about this all encompassing feeling of love and that all encompassing feeling of love also involves forgiveness where because a lot of people hold that they have done things in their lives that are unforgivable or that if someone else knew it or saw it that there's there's no way they could be loved And so that in and of itself starts to form that drag and that pushback around how much love we will allow, how much self-acceptance. And so from that space of love, we start to feel into what is it to be totally accepted? What is it to be totally held? What is it to be totally nourished? And as we go deeper into that, our defenses melt away and we allow ourselves to really become that energy. And then from that energy, life actually becomes fun as opposed to a struggle or it changes, like I said, going back to that little GPS uh, example I gave, it changes the navigational points so that we can start to move and go wherever it is that we're wanting to go. And we're doing it from a completely different head and heart space. We're doing it from a different, that was a bug. <laughs> Something a bug. I didn't see we're that we Okay. We're, we're doing it from, there's a flight here now. We're doing it from a, a completely different space
1: the title of your newest book is the answer is energy. What does that mean? And how does that apply to our daily lives?
0: Mm. So, um, that was, that was based on kind of a question that I asked. So growing up, I, I broke one arm four times, one arm three times, broke all my toes, gashed my face open, um, stitches in all kinds of areas. I had a belief that I was broken. That goes back to what I was talking about, about the gift that I had. Um, I wound up when I was in third grade, I gained like 100 and probably 109 pounds, I think it was. So by the time I was in sixth grade, I was morbidly obese. Um, I weighed at my biggest, I weighed a little over, I think around 370 pounds Um, because I was eating to try to both drown out a sorrow and connect with like a joy, connect with sweetness of life, um, but also to try to ground in energy that I didn't understand. Um, I had my heart really shut down because I didn't feel like it was safe to be me. and It was safe to be open. And so as I kind of moved through all of that, that gets you to where I was talking about being at that place in bed, just going, this sucks. This isn't the life that I want. Um, and if I, if I, if I could live the life I want, what would it be? And at that time it was to go to California, but I didn't believe that I even had the strength to do it because I couldn't even get out of bed without my heart going crazy and needing nine Xanax. Um, so in, in being able to, in that moment, just saying, okay, I'm just going to die. Well, I didn't die. So then I thought, well, I'm stuck with myself. Well, who am I stuck with? And that was a space where I started to to ask those questions of why do I believe what I believe about myself about my body, Um, what are the teachings that I was taught, what what is and I really did a lot of work around what is innately me. You know, like I said, if I'd have been born ten thousand miles, twenty thousand miles away, whatever, who would I be? You know, I might have different religious beliefs, I might have a different socioeconomic background but what's innately me versus what's learned or what's put upon or all of that. And so for me, it was learning that um, everything in this world, whether it's, you know, a blade of grass, uh, I'll go to sort of the Gnostic Gospels of split a piece of wood and there I am. But it's to me, again, it just goes back into that was a form for people to understand a greater truth of what energy is. So when I say the answer is energy, the answer is really understanding who you are, why you are, how you are. Um, which which includes all of the different beliefs that you have, conscious, unconscious, which you might say, well, how do I know my unconscious beliefs? Um, there, there are a few uh, telltale signs and giveaways, um, but overall, just looking at what is your life and why is your life and how is your life and, and, and being able to use that same um, series of questions within the deeper self. So for me, the answer is energy means that when we can understand why we are the way we are, we can also understand how to let go of or, or, or change how we are in any given space. Um, that, again, if from my perspective and how I view things, when we can let go of all of that resistance and move back into the energy of love, which to me, the energy that created the entire world feels very much like those NDEs. When you go into that space, it's just this en- encompassing and rapturous love. So if everything is energy in that space, well, then you and I are just different forms of that energy with different backstories that have led us to this moment. But if we can learn how to interact with each other, uh, if we can learn to interact with ourselves in different ways, that changes the entire world.
1: Even like electricity is energy, right? Sure. Yeah. So if, you know, like the, the electricity that's running your wall socket, if you could right. feel that electricity, would that feel like love like energy itself is love my well have
0: you ever shocked yourself <laughs> yeah because <laughs> it didn't
1: feel like love
0: <laughs> it didn't feel like love yeah i was gonna say yeah. um so that's a really good that's a. I like that you I'm, i like that because to me that goes to sort of the different spectrums and how so yes that is energy and that's how we kind of think of energy and that current of flow if you come down into a denser physical reality where energy flows in that perspective. It's like, it's kind of like a, an eel fish in water, right? Like if you have enough water, the energy can just sort of flow and it's not anything, whatever, if you don't, you're going to get you know, zapped. Um, to me that goes to the different fields and the different kinds of energy and those different fields and kinds of energy go have a little bit of a fall into the dimensional categories, but also within the denseness of how light itself physicalizes and so energy in that state of i'm shocking myself uh would be more of a physical experience of a an energy that has been tuned to a specific frequency for a specific use on the human plane in a third or fourth dimensional world
1: all right well we spoke earlier about you know the book with the creation formula but Mm i never got what what book does that come from
0: so, okay. So love life. God. Well, D and I both have on our websites. Um, and I have with mine, you get like a, there's like a 60 minute walkthrough, I think, uh, where it explains, but I've got symbols and things that are, are extra to that. The original creation formula in, um, is a book called love life, God, the journey of creation. And I start with, um, some of the original frequencies that very first came in. Like for example, um 167 was the fear of creation so fear of creation was in its own that was its own chapter and so i talked about that energy and what that is and and how that is and how to move through all of that so i think in that book there were maybe six or seven um main frequency points and how to move through those but um where you're talking about the actual frequency itself that the chart with all of the stuff that is its own sort of uh being
1: Okay. What you said was really interesting to me and that is the fear of creation. Mm-hmm. What is the fear that people have behind creating things?
0: There's a, there's a few. Um, I, it's, I'm, one of the things can be the fear of change the, and what that creation means, because no matter what we, I mean, we're changing all the time. Nothing is static yet. A lot of times static is what feels safe to us. So even if we want, you know, a relationship, a job, a new car, a new house, a new house is a good example, because if you get a new house, what do you have to do? Well, you have to pack up all your stuff. You have to, there's, there's a lot involved in gaining the new thing. And so there can be that, oh my gosh, what if I don't have enough energy to do it? What if, uh, what if this is the only time I ever do it? What if I'm not supposed to do it? Then it can plug into a lot of different, um, sort of templates of like the Salem witch trials, right? Like the idea of if I create and I get into this big space, or even John Lennon in the artistic kind of way, am I going to be sought out and, you know, punished or killed? Is there going to be a punitive action for me expressing and creating? So let me hold back there. Um, there, There are all kinds of, even within the religious templates and archetypes, um, you know what should I be creating? What should I not be creating? and is that in alignment with God? Is that in alignment with what um, what's going to get me to heaven? So it, it kind of there are a, a lot of different fears around that main energy of what creation is or who creation is. I would even say that.
1: Do you mind speaking a little bit more about what you meant about John Lennon and creating?
0: Oh, so I was just using him as kind of like a template, like, I, for example, like, if you want to look at the the story of Jesus, well, Jesus came and he knew how to create and do some things and he got crucified for it. Um, John Lennon is one that uh, I've actually met a lot of people in the arts who have this kind of they don't want to. It's odd me being a voiceover person saying this, but I am probably the same experience of they don't want people hearing them or seeing them because while they want to express and be known they don't because it goes back to kind of that Jesus I'm not saying John Lennon and Jesus but it goes back to that template of if you're known and if you're so big you get a spotlight pointed at you and who's going to be attracted by that spotlight and is there a danger in that spotlight? Um that's that's what I meant by the John Lennon. Although it's I quote um one of the books that I wrote of, around religion was Inspired by uh, Imagine, and so um, I I really enjoy John Lennon. But um, yeah,
1: well, you said that even though we th- we don't think we're changing, we still are changing no matter what. Do you think that we consciously have to keep creating throughout our lives for the things that we want or the places we want to go, even though we may have already achieved them?
0: Um, no, I mean I, I I think that in in terms of we're, we're always creating, not creating is also creating. Um, and it's not about, it's not about, Oh, who has the most stuff when you die or, um, you know, who did the most, but we are, you know, our bodies are constantly, you know, our cells are dying and renewing and rejuvenating, or we're, we're, we're always in a state of, I don't want to say flux because that makes it sound like it's unknown. Um, but we're always in that state of change. And so there will always be change even if it's just that it's a new day, even if it's just that you have the opportunity to make a new choice, even though you have the same thing for breakfast that you did yesterday, or you have the same thing. And so there's always those opportunities for choice. And so in that way, we are always expanding. We are always choosing. It just is, do we choose to do it? How, how, how broad do we want to take that out? How, how much do we choose to go? And, and as humanity, um, moving it into kind of the ascension process we are, we are moving. It's just a matter of, and it's not that there's a there to get to because there will always be sort of our, our journey as creation itself, but it's the evolution of our consciousness and how we're able, this is kind of, I like to tell people, you know, think of yourself as uh, God or think of yourself as, you know, an enlightened being 2000 years from now, what we're living right now is just the story of how we got to that space. Um, and outside of time and space, we're in that. So right now we're just learning how to be and how to create. And, and through that, we are expanding the experience of who we are and how we interact. And that expands the whole itself.
1: We mentioned these books. Do we find them on your website or Amazon? Or
0: Yeah, you can go uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. My website is uh, my name. It's Jared Hewitt, J-A-R-R-A-D-H-E-W-E-T-T dot com. Um, those are on there. The uh, the journeys that you mentioned, Audible, my book is on Audible as well, so you can get it for free. Um, the uh, There's some journeys on YouTube. If you just put my name in, um, that'll give you an idea of some of those that I do as well. I, <laughs> I thought when you said that, I thought you were going to ask me to do voices. No, or something. No, no. <laughs> you said shifting gears. I no. <laughs> I'm going uh, to up doing that.
1: Up next, I don't know. After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you are you open to that? And if so, how should they do that?
0: Yeah. So, um, on my website, well, there's two different ways if you want on my website. Uh, it's again, jaredhewitt.com. If you go there, there's a, a thing that you can fill out, uh, or you can just email info at jaredhewitt.com that goes to my assistant and she'll always uh, relay things back to me. And then, um, if you want on that website, there's a thing where you can get like three free journeys. It's a mini program. It's the thing that I did. One of them is called release everything. So it's about kind of, releasing all of the the daily stressors but helping us get back into that 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 space and that space of love and then there's one for creation uh which is money and then there's one that i call creating the relationship of your dreams but it's to really it's not even even if you're married um or you have a spouse or a partner uh it's about creating that relationship with the universe where you just feel like you're held and loved and um a lot of people didn't have that as children a lot of people don't have that as adults so it's an important space to to be able to feel but yeah, you can contact me through the website. There's a, a contact button or just email direct at info at jaredhewitt.com.
1: Well, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes when uh, I'm talking to people, I'll ask them for, I'll go like kind of an unconscious and say, well, give me a song. Um, and you said that and I thought, okay, what message wants to be communicated and I'll feel like a nerd for, uh, using this. So please nobody judge me, but it was, I think a Justin Bieber song, but you know, you should go and love yourself. Um, and that, so I would just encourage everybody to look at what your beliefs around love and lovability, um, even compatibility for yourself and, and the, the, the space that you're in versus the space that you want to be in and start to really work on feeling what it would feel like to be where you desire to be. While also allowing yourself to have a new relationship with love where love is, you know, not the, uh, the light socket that we're putting our finger in and getting, uh, hit with, but that more expansive dimensional connection energy and realizing that you can have that here. You that's, that's what's here. That's what's for you. Um, and so, yeah, love yourself.
1: Jared, thank you for that message. And thank you again for being my guest. I really appreciate you and I wish you success in whatever you're doing.
0: Thank you, my friend. It was my pleasure. I appreciate it.